Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality. What's up, everybody? New episode of the Early Retirement Vlog. I am Ray Taylor. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a time of my life where I was uh, active within the church. I've never been religious before. I'm not religious at all now. Um, But because of a friend that I made, one of my best friends growing up, his mom worked for a church, I then eventually became active within the church doing certain things. And I was a kid, so like around fifth grade. So this, the, what I'm talking about is going to take place around fifth grade to senior year, basically, is when I kind of dipped out and realized that it just wasn't, and not that I just realized, it's just, I realized that me going there was just, it was not something that I wanted to do with my life. Um, so anyway, uh, and this is like a lot of my early employment. Uh, before I got a real job, you know, I was a kid getting, I, I don't even know if I got paid for a lot of this stuff. I actually almost guarantee I did not get paid for most of this shit. Um, the work that I did for this church. So, you know, I got, became, um, active within the church, going to the church, uh, you know, with my friend and his family. And, uh, we had started one of the, one of the jobs that, uh, we did uh, for the church. We did a few jobs. So one was mowing lawns. Um, my friend and I started a little business where we would, I would, we would mow my house, his house, a couple people in the area. We would mow some lawns, and then we would mow the lawn for the church. Um, so we would do that. I remember while we were doing that, it was big, like having like just a portable radio. I didn't have like a Walkman or or a Discman yet. Um, but I had like a little portable radio and I'd listen to like Rick D's top, top 20 or top 50 or whatever that show is. And I'd listen to all the pop music while we're mowing the lawn. And we had like a, we'd gotten, I think we used one of my just old lawnmowers, gas mowers, and it just had problems. And we somehow got a, I think it was, they used to do like flea market sales at the church. Um, like a garage sale, people can bring just their shit that they don't want. I think there was an electric lawnmower one year, and we scooped it up, and that's what we used. We ran over the extension cord. It was no batteries back then. They didn't have good batteries, so everything was plugged in at the time. Uh, but we definitely ran over the extension cord a few times with that lawnmower. So mowing the lawn was one of the few first jobs. There was a job uh, where we would... Uh, copy tapes of the sermon so each sermon was recorded they i think they did like three shows their shows three shows uh sunday and i don't know if they recorded all three or just one of them uh but my friend and i we would come in late during the week uh i think while his mom was working on other stuff or whatever or we'd get dropped off we'd usually rent a movie we rented a bunch of like we were kids back then so we were renting and it was a church, so we couldn't bring in, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, but we brought in movies like 
uh, Weekend at Bernie's or the, you know, Dennis the Menace remake or a lot of the kids' movies that were out around that time. We brought a lot of those in and watched those while we were... Because the, the tapes had to copy in real time at first. And so we'd go into the theater and the big soundboard, which I ran sound too. That was another thing that I did uh, at the church was during the services, I would put headphones in like somebody who knows how to run sound live would do. Um, or not headphones. I mean, we were at the back of the theater, so it's a lot easier to run the sound from there. Uh, but yeah, I'd run sound, switch mics, do all that stuff. And then there would be like... Uh, a little bank of v or of uh, cassette tape recorders, and one of the sermons would be recorded, and then we'd use that same setup to dub tapes. And I think we could do like two at a time or something like that. And it would be for people that couldn't go to church because they're old or sick or whatever, and they would get they would get mailed out to these people, so they would they would get to hear the sermon every week. Now there's podcasts, so that's pretty obsolete but in in that day we were dubbing cassette tapes uh of services so we would do that we would hit play and then we'd have to go in and check on it and make sure you know switch the tape and all that kind of stuff um eventually we got high speed recorders so that job became very easy and i think we lost our job so ro robot very early on took over one of my early jobs um but that was kind of cool because you know we got to watch movies and shit and we were hanging around. There's always like food because there's always after church, they always put out cookies and shit. So, you know, we'd always have access to all that and, you know, it was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so we, we dubbed tapes, we'd mow the lawn. Um, eventually as I got older, I got into motion choir, which is kind of like, like for good Friday, let's say for instance, they, we would do a motion choir thing. Where me and another dude, we would have robes on, and we would act out nailing Jesus to the cross. So we would carry a giant wooden cross up onto the stage, uh, and then we would ha we had rocks there. So we would there would be like this music thing. I don't know if there were words. I think it was just music, and we would just like kind of do these things to this. It's a very like foo foo thing. Um, you know, and it was a church thing, but it was like, and we would have to like hammer in the nails at a certain part of the song. And, uh, we would have to take at the end of it, we would put, you know, the crown of thorn, we'd like drape them with some shit. And then we would pretend we would mime, pretend taking Jesus off the cross. And then we would exit out the way we came in. It was a whole thing. People would get emotional as fuck. Um, we, when we did, uh, rehearsals, I mean, we rehearsed all this shit. Um, we did rehearsals. The hardest part was not... Like, I'm looking across the way from another preteen and trying not to laugh as we're doing this extremely ridiculous thing of nailing an invisible Jesus to a life-size cross using rocks. And, uh, yeah, so that was, like, something I did for a few years. I remember that. Uh, but the big thing that I was a part of was um a, a small like sect small kind of genre of worship for christians uh is puppet ministry so this is like legitimate you know puppet on your arm not like sock puppets like expensive puppets and we had a stage that my friend's stepdad built 
Um, and we would practice, we would do, we would record, we would pre-record some scripts. So we would, you know, go in the theater and then record, um, like there, there was all kinds of resources you could get if you wanted to, I'm sure that's still around now where you could buy tapes where it's popular songs re reworded with Christian lyrics. Um, like just popular songs, like that kid pop music that's out for kids where it's, you know, popular music, but sung by kids. It's like that, but they change all the words to make it kind of like, a, uh, um, God damn it. Uh, that one Whoopi Goldberg back in the habit sister act like the sister, which I like those movies when they came out, that was around the time where I was heavily into the, the church thing. And I enjoyed a lot of it because I was around people my age, a little bit younger. Um, I was probably one of the older ones, but not like by much, by like a year maybe. Um, and I became the lead puppeteer because I was the oldest and I was able to do, I did voice character, I did voice acting for a few characters. There was a popular character called Gerbert, which is like uh, like a famous actual puppet character, like a like a Kermit the Frog, but for Christian, I think it's specifically for Christian puppeteering. I remember we went to a convention where the guy that did Gerbert um, did a, a whole thing on like how to make the puppets feel alive and like using the rods and all that kind of shit. Um, but yeah, so I did Gerbert. So we did scripted stuff. We had pre-recorded stuff that they would buy and there was a bunch of times where I just went live where somebody would have a microphone or I'd have a little headset on and I would, I would riff with, uh, my friend's mom who was the, you know, she organized the whole thing. She put it together. Um, she was the director of it. And, um, there was a few things like there was one where I played King James Bible and I had this giant black Bible puppet and I, you know, not in a racist way, but it was a giant black Bible puppet. So I did more of a Southern kind of a black voice and I would riff. We would like, we kind of knew, I knew the things I would have to hit. I'd have to quote a verse of the King James Bible. I forget what I, I completely forget what it is. Um, the quote was like, be, don't merely be sayers of the word, be doers of the word or something like practice what you pe preach kind of shit. There's a couple things that I would hit. We did the bit a bunch of times, but I would riff, I would riff, um, make the crowd fucking, you know, we'd get laugh breaks and all that kind of shit. Uh, so that was fun. I got to do Gerbert live and I would riff with that. Um, but a lot of it was pre-recorded, where you're just kind of going, which is a lot easier. When you're going live, I mean, the microphone situation is somebody would have to hold a microphone for me. And it's like one hand is up with the puppet, and then the other hand is, you know, trying not to hit the mic that when I'm trying to control the arms. Um, and there there was puppets where we had fake arms, where people had to use their arms to do certain things. Uh, we had a two-tier stage. We had probably eight people at most, maybe even more puppeteers, kids from the church who would, who would help out. Um, but the main group was me, my friend, his little sister. Uh, and then even his parents would like, we went on tour through the Midwest one summer. Um, we went to, cause they're from Wisconsin. So they went on a road trip to go home to visit their family. And as I normally did every summer would go with a, a friend's family, um, and not be home. Uh, so I'd go, 
I went with them and they wanted to take the the act on tour. So it was just, th- you know, it was a super slimmed down version. It was just, you know, so everybody was kind of all hands on deck as far as people actually running the puppets. So his parents would run the puppets sometimes. But yeah, so we went to, I think we did a show in Mexico, in Tijuana. We did shows all over Southern California. We did, I don't know if we went up to Northern California. I know we did a show in Iowa, Wisconsin. Um, man, there's probably a ton of places that we, but we did, I mean, we do shows like, like we had, we had rehearsal every week. I think it was like every Wednesday we would have puppet practice uh, where we'd go in and we'd have like, okay, this is what we're going to do in church this week. Um, or we're gonna, we got a show at this church over here and, um, this is the routine. These are the songs we're going to do. These are the beats we're going to hit. Um, these are the skits we're going to do. And, um, it was cool, man. It was cool being a part of that. I mean, it was cause it was all, all of this stuff that I did that involved the church wasn't your typical church shit. Like there was so many, so few times where I just sat in the, in the congregation and just watched the service. Like I was always doing other shit. I never, and it was always the same stories. So it's weird that people would get the tapes all the time. It's like, you know, oh, it's Easter. We're going to get the same kind of Easter story that we got last year. Maybe switch it up. Maybe he has like three different ones. So it's like, oh, it's the one from four years ago or three years ago. Um, I don't know. But it's it was all, like for me, church was a business and like, and show. You know, it was, you're doing these shows, you got a, a pastor doing like a lecture, um, trying to throw in funny times, you got music parts, um, interactive music parts, uh, you have weird culty shit where you like stand in line and eat shitty crackers and drink wine, um, but a lot of it was just a show, and I always thought of it as a show, and even when I was a kid, I'm like, I'm doing all these things, and we got paid for gigs, like, there's, it's not like we did all this shit for free. I never got paid. That money went to my friend's mom, and then from there, or the church. I don't know how it got distributed, but none of the kids that actually performed, did the performing, got paid. It was child, it was free child labor. 1,000%. And now the church, what the church does is like, oh, whatever you do, it gets returned to you tenfold. So it's like, oh, okay, so I I can do these free things for the church knowing that in the future God's going to, like, help me out more. Sure, sure. Go to any, go to any business. Go to any business and just tell them to give you whatever they have for free. But also remind them that by doing this good deed, God will repay them tenfold. Do you know what kind of markup that is? Tenfold? It's like, oh, if I want a candy bar. No, listen, I could give you a dollar now for this candy bar. Or you can give the candy bar to me for free. And in time, God will give you $10. That is the financial breakdown for how churches, for me, the church I worked for, that's how they paid me. They paid me in bullshit. But that's what churches are. They sell bullshit. They sell hope. They sell community. Sure, community is great. You can get community anywhere. 
There's fetish websites. You can go and find a bunch of fucking crazy people just like you, right? Or you can go to a church, where which I saw being kind of in the background of everything. I saw how fake every fucking person was. Every fucking person that goes to that church is trying to be the sweetest, most pure vanilla motherfucker ever, right? But any moment where the reality of who they are breaks through, it is toxic. It is toxic. People that preach forgiveness and inclusion, do unto others, are the first to be like, oh, fucking get out. I saw so many people just like, because of 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 just like shitty like rumors and like talking behind people's backs. Like I saw so many people just get ostracized. I saw, we had, I remember there was one lady who was gay. Oh my God, lesbian. She was going to help out with the youth group or she was going to help out with, with something. And oh, so quick. So she did not last long at all. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But yeah, so puppets, man. I did, and I did puppets. I think we probably started early. I probably started in like fifth or sixth grade. And it was something that I never really told anybody. I rarely, like, few of my colorblindness and being a fucking puppeteer are kind of two things that I, I just, you know, I don't, it's not like, I'm not proud of those things. I always did think doing the puppet thing that, like, oh, I could always go do Sesame Street as, like, a backup. Being an artist doesn't work. I could always do Sesame Street. But, um, yeah, so did the puppet thing for a long time. It did. I remember the biggest crowd we did because we did go to a convention, a giant convention. And it's not, it was a different, we went to a few conventions, but I, one we went to and it was like the main, it was a main performance. I think we performed in front of like four or 5,000 people. It was huge. Now we're behind a curtain. So the, and I'd done it a shitload of times. So I didn't, I was not nervous really. Even going live, you know, you get used to doing stuff after you do it a, a while. Um, but I think we had to come out from behind the curtain and bow. That was probably a little nerve wracking. But yeah, we it was it was huge. And I went to a Rogan, stand, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, po- uh, not podcast, comedy, stand up comedy uh, show in Denver about a year ago. He performed um, somewhere downtown, but it was his biggest show. I, I think he said he was biggest show ever, like five thousand people. And it's weird going to a 5,000 people event to see what that size of crowd is again after so long ago. I mean, it was probably, you know, eighth grade when I performed in front of that many people. Now, once I got to high school, it's totally started to drop off. I mean, I was, you know, it just wasn't, I was, cause I was homeschooled from like half of eighth grade and all of ninth grade. So I was probably, that was probably the most puppeteering and most I'd been active in the church. Um, but then when I went back to high school, it was like, okay, I'm meeting new friends. They're not just church friends I'm interested in other shit. I'm horny all the time. You know, I'm, I can't focus on the shit. I still did it, but as far as like my focus on it, I didn't give a shit. I was pretty much it was eventually that I was going to stop going. And then I think somewhere towards, you know, 12th grade, I just, I just stopped showing up to practice. I just stopped going. It was just, I was done. I was too old, man. I can't be doing puppets as a fucking 
17-year-old, 18-year-old, especially for a religion that I don't give a fuck about. I don't really give a fuck about any religions, but I had experienced the, the crazy thing is because I did go on tours and I got to I got to perform in a shitload of churches. I saw a wide gamut of how churches are. Like what's going on now with this Nazi marching with the fucking polo shirts and the tiki torches. I went to churches where those guys got to speak openly about how blasphemous other races are and how mixing race is, you know, instant hell. Like I went to churches like that and not like in the South, in Southern California. I didn't, it wasn't even Midwest fucking churches, Southern California churches. It was one, it was like the most racist and there were black people in the fucking thing. It was insane. And with a white chick, not like black families. It's the most ridiculous shit. And it's just like, that's an example of the most ridiculous bullshit everywhere. Everyone's fucking, it's just, it's, everybody is so like high on themselves and their ego is so big because they think they're like, they're like better than everybody else because they're saved and everybody else is not saved. Everybody else is fucked. They're good. Everybody else is fucked. And it's up to them to reach a hand down to all of those that aren't saved, that aren't them. You have to look down upon those that are not saved and help them into the kingdom of God. So just by like virtue of they're looking, they look down on everybody. They look down, do not judge. Most judgmental motherfuckers I've ever met. And then years later, Working at Costco, right? I worked at Costco for 13 years, 10 of those years selling electronics. If you've never been to a Costco or maybe the Costco you go to set up different, the electronics department is the first department you walk into when you enter a Costco. You get a big wall of merchandise, at least the one big wall of merchandise, photo department, and then, you know, right when you walk, it's electronics department. Sundays... If you if you want to be treated like shit, like just scum, like just pretty much worthless, like your whole life exists only to be in the presence of these people that come in on a Sunday. Come in dressed up, you know, they're perfect church clothes. They dress like they never dress in real life. They pretend to be the people they pretend they're they're not in real life in this fucking giant building that's bringing in tons of money tax free. They come into Costco and they treat you like a fucking dog, like a fucking stray dog to get to hey, like the most insulting people on the face of the fucking planet came in on Sundays. And you know they're church people because regular people don't dress up in this fake like, you know, leave it to beaver kind of aesthetic normally on Sunday. The only reason to dress like a fucking, all these neo-Nazis, basically, is because you're going to a place where you think a fucking dude in the sky is judging you, but mainly you're going there to, like, pretend like you're better than all the other people that are going there. And especially everybody that's there better than everybody outside of that fucking building. So they would come in on Sundays 
treat everybody like shit. Everybody like shit. And they're always dressed in their Sunday best. It's it's the most it's the most hilarious juxtaposition of how somebody's dressed versus the mentality they show to other humans. And it's weird because these tiki torch motherfuckers basically look like they're on their way to church. Like you go to whatever church is in that area, and there's just probably a pile of fucking tiki torches outside where they're all inside singing some some fucking song from a, a fiction book. Fucking horrible. Yeah, so this is this episode I want to talk about my time uh, doing a shitload of work for a church for free. Um, I've done a lot of work in my life for free. All the work that I did for that church over my childhood, all the Photoshop work. I did fucking work for my mom. She was a graphic designer, and there were times where she's like, can you do this for me? I don't know how to do this. I did so many fucking jobs for free. Today, not literally today, currently, I get hit up by people or I get tagged by people that need Photoshop work done or photo editing done or maybe photography done. All the things that I do, I hit up Ray. And it's always, you can add it to your portfolio. Motherfucker, I've got plenty in my portfolio. Your free gig trying to sell me on your free fucking gig to add to my portfolio, you can suck my dick. Portfolio. That's what, it's like, that's something I was starting to do in my childhood. I'm 36 years old. I've been doing photography for 20 years. I've been doing Photoshop for 20 years. I've been designing websites for almost 20 years. I've been doing graphic design for 20 years. I've been doing podcast production for fucking 10 years and your way to sell me on doing free work for you oh you add it to your portfolio suck my dick pay me i'll give you a deal but fucking respect the work i do if i made houses would you be like oh you can add this house to your portfolio just build me a house oh remodel my kitchen you can add it to your portfolio no if you think i'm qualified you hire me if we're friends, I'll give you a deal. Because that's how friends work. You still compensate me for the work I do, but I don't charge you what I charge normal people. But my time's worth something. But no, not if you work for a church. God will pay. I'm still waiting on this tenfold shit. I've got no money from God. God, I've not just like, all the money that I got, I know exactly where it came from, and God never signed the checks. Never fucking donations. I know how much churches make. And the church I grew up in, did all the work for, they weren't like a mega church. It was regular. They expanded the fuck out of that church though over the years. Added on all kinds of new shit. Still not a mega church. Fucking tax free. Don't pay kids to do work. You have kids working, first off, donating their time. What do you do to help the kids? What did you do? Oh, because I'm friends with the kid, though, that's payment. I get to, they, you know, it's like I'm hanging out with my friend and his family. His mom's getting paid. Oh, but she buys the food. Motherfucker. Like, you go to a friend's house, you, you shouldn't have to work for your food. I worked for my food. I worked for fucking everything my entire life. 
And still to this day, people are like, you can add it to your portfolio. Do free work for me. Add it to your portfolio. It's fucking ridiculous. I'd rather shoot myself in the head. I would rather shoot myself in the head than do free work for fucking these people. These people that just happen to know me. Fucking insulting. Not just this. My fuck, just all the shit that I did for that bullshit cult. A waste. A waste. Oh, I know how to do puppets. I can do voiceover. I've done, I'm pretty comfortable in front of crowds. I may not right away, but I'm sure I could get really used to it really quick again. Used to performing. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Fucking pay me though. That's it, everybody. I'm done. My rant is over with uh, my thoughts on my childhood working for a Lutheran church, my times being a puppeteer. I don't know if there's any. Uh, yeah, there's no real. The weirdest place to perform where there was like, there were two places where like kids were, it was like, we had to like go to the van. And just hide from people. Because we were like. Like just crowded. One was like. I think it was a gig up in like. LA area. Or maybe like. Like Bakersfield maybe. And then another one was in Tijuana. Kids in Mexico. I mean that was just sad. It was really sad. Uh, but anyway. That was my time. This is the early retirement. Podcast. Vlog. My name is Ray Taylor. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ray Taylor. Uh, you can follow, you can help support me. Hey, if, if God's out there and has just been waiting for an opportunity for this tenfold bullshit, um, he could go over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash inspired disorder. That's where you can see all the work that I do. I mean, you can see the work that I do over at InspiredDisorder.com, but this is where you can help support all the work that I do. Patreon's a monthly donation service set up to help uh, provide financial support for creative people who constantly put out creative work. So you can donate a dollar. That's all I'm asking. I'm just trying to get my numbers up. But the advantage of Patreon is that if you donate more, there's perks. So if you like the artwork that I do um, and want a discount, if you donate a certain amount a month, you get a free discount. You get a, a permanent discount on uh, everything that's sold at InspiredDisorder.com. Um, you can get free artwork, free prints. Um, there's a lot of bonuses there. Uh, and once I get the numbers up, there's going to be a lot of exclusive content for Patreon. Uh, but for now, I'm just trying to get that. My goal is to, to hit 100 supporters by the end of the month, the month of August. And um, yeah, and I'm slowly contacting all the people on my Facebook feed as well as everybody in my Twitter feed. Um, so look forward to that over time. I'm just asking for a dollar. Sign up's easy. Patreon.com slash Inspired Disorder. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Inspired Disorder. And support me, support. And just to just for those, if you're not aware of the things that I do, maybe just listen to this. Maybe it's your first time ever seeing anything I do. And somehow you got through this half-hour-long episode. Um, I do the early retirement vlog slash podcast. It was two days a week with audio, uh, but I'm going to scale that back to just once a week. As far as video, it's always been once a week. 
which you can find at YouTube. Uh, so the that's a weekly podcast, the early retirement vlog. Then there's the Inspired Disorder podcast, which is recorded twice a week. It streams live on Twitter and Facebook. It also is found on video form on YouTube and Vimeo and in audio form everywhere you get podcasts. Um, that comes out twice a week. Uh, with I record it with my friend Keith Spurlock, who has been my co-host with that show for years, for like five years now. Probably, I don't know. Actually, it might be close to five years now. Um, we've just done over, we're getting close to 400 episodes. Uh, we usually, if there's a fight coming up, a UFC fight, we will do a full card predictions. So we'll go from the, the first fight on the card on the fight pass prelims all the way to the main event. So it's usually anywhere from 12 to 13 fights that we will pick from. And then after each fight, we will do a full card breakdown where we will go through each and every fight on the card and discuss it. If there's, especially if there's something interesting to discuss. Um, so that's usually one of our episodes will be a fight talk. We like to review movies. We've seen, I think close to 15 or 16 this past summer. It's been a great summer for movies. Um, so we've done full movie reviews, a lot of them with spoilers. Uh, and then we also play a game called the ultimate movie championship where, um, we're given two movies and we decide which of the two movies decides is, uh, we decide which of the two movies deserves to be on our ultimate movie list, which you can find at flickchart.com slash IDP. We've rated over a thousand movies so far. Um, and our top 20, we recap that and it's changed a few times. Um, so you can go over and check that out. It's a lot of fun because Keith and I will argue over the most ridiculous movies to argue about. Uh, but it's, it's tough because sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. It's a lot of fun to do. Um, and it's an ongoing segment that we've done, uh, for close to a year now, but it has its own feed. So if you are just into that segment of the show, um, you can subscribe to the audio version over at, on iTunes. It's the Ultimate Movie Championship. And that comes out twice a week, new episode. Um, and that's going to stay two episodes a week forever. Um, and then we, as far as when we do it on the show, it kind of it fluctuates. So, and then, so that's all the podcasting stuff I do. Uh, in addition to that, I do, there's an ink on paper series that I'm doing called The Many Faces which new artwork is released daily. Every single day, a new piece of art is released. Um, the paper size, these are all for sale. They're all originals. There's well over 100 available in different sizes and prices um, from 5 by 8 which comes in at 20 bucks a, uh, a piece or $19. And there's sales. I put sales on all the time. And if you want to donate to Patreon, you'll get a discount. Or if you want to be a collector, you can donate a certain amount and you get a free, you get a free piece every week or every month or so. I forget how it. Go over to Patreon to figure that out. Um, but it's five by eight, nine by twelve, eleven by fourteen, and I'm going to be releasing some fourteen by seventeen extra large pieces. Um, but they're all the many faces. It's like an expressionistic uh, portraits. Each one of them. Um, some are places, but may, many of them are faces. Uh, so it's the first ever art series I've ever done, and. It's an ongoing art series, so you can go check all those out at InspiredDisorder.com. And I started a Photoshop series, uh, each new episode of the Inspired Disorder podcast for over a year now. 
I've done uh, an original Photoshop for. Um, and a lot of them are movie posters where I'll face swap Heath and myself into the characters, and then I'll change the graphics and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can check that out also. It's my first ever Photoshop series. Um, well over 100 of those. Uh, and then I also offer freelance services, which I will stop having to do if the numbers on Patreon get to a great amount. Um, but for right now, because I have bills I need to pay and podcasting and all the things that I am currently doing, the artwork, the merchandise, the photoshops, the podcasts, all of these things, still not enough to pay my bills. So I do freelance work. But you can check all that out. A lot of it can be done remotely. Um, but if you are in the Denver, local Denver area, um, I do uh, photography, which includes product photography, real estate photography, event photography, portraits, headshots, all that kind of stuff. I also do, you know, retouching and and complete photo alterations. If you want my photo, you can pay for my Photoshop skills. Um, so there's there's all of those. There's uh, if you're looking for a website, I can design websites. I design them through Squarespace. I've been doing that for close to ten years. I think nine years. Uh, I've I've been using Squarespace and super reliable. They work on every device, whether it's a computer or a phone or a tablet. It's super dynamic. Everything looks great. Um, so you can get a website done from me. You can get voiceover. I did my first official voiceover gig the other day. Um, so if you have, if you're doing an explainer video, you're doing, uh, like unboxing videos or description videos or a documentary, anything that requires the, these pipes to say you, to read your script onto a microphone. Um, I can do that voiceover. Uh, what else? Voiceover, photography, web design, Photoshop design, uh, fine art commissions. You can always contact me for that. And all of those services you can find video editing, audio, audio editing, podcast consulting, all things that I offer. Everything links to everything. Go to inspireddisorder.com. Everything I talked about links to all that stuff easy to find. Uh, but that's it. Probably one of my longest episodes for early retirement, but I had a lot of things to talk about and I thank you all for checking it out and sticking with me and listening and enjoying the show. Don't forget to tell your friends about the show early retirement. Um, it's not just about retirement. It's about me and my retirement from just working regular jobs. I'm trying to hustle. I'm trying to use all of the abilities and things that I've loved doing throughout my whole life. I've been into photography. I was in photography before art. But art, I was a child. Photography, child. Graphic design, child. I remember the first time I used Photoshop for a project in fifth grade, child. I've been doing this a long time. I'm 36 years old. I'd like to start getting paid for this stuff. And for those that have, I love you. And, I, and for the people that I've done free work for, I'm not angry at you. 
I would have said no to your job, to your thing, if I didn't want to do it. If I said yes, I accepted that free job. However, if you feel guilty for whatever reason, which you shouldn't, but if you want to help out, go over to Patreon, donate a dollar. $12 a year is super cheap. I will lose more than $12 a year easily. So you can just sign up and not even think about it. A dollar a month. If you're baller and you really love artists, you want to support artists, and you know you don't mind spending more than a dollar a month, I you can give me five hundred dollars a month. I would fucking love it. I will do whatever you want. You can you can give me five hundred, and then you know I'm halfway to being your sex slave. Actually, you need a little bit two thousand a month. Do whatever the fuck you want me to do. Right, that covers easily covers all of my bills. Easily makes living uh, a word that I can relate to. Uh, but I don't expect somebody to have just two grand a month. But if there is somebody out there, if there's like a Russell Peters or Joe Rogan or I don't know, if there's a who's the guy in charge of a virgin or a Tesla guy. And there's people that have a shit. There's people that spend more than I live on a year. They will spend in an hour. And for those people, I just need an hour of your time, bro, or an hour of your money. Help me live for another year. I'm just trying to get through another year. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm sorry for begging. I'm sorry for all that. But enjoy the shit. And um, let me tell you, uh, if you say a prayer for me instead of donating a dollar, you can just shove that prayer up your ass because I'm not getting 10 bucks from your prayer. I, I have not seen God donate to any Patreon uh, accounts at all. And I'm constantly looking for that motherfucker. Is he supposed to be the shit or whatever? I don't know. Overrated in my opinion. That's it. Early retirement vlog. My name is Ray Taylor. I love you all. Have a great week. And I am out. Peace.